All right, let's, let's go back into the psalm. Psalm 32. Psalm 32. We talked about <coughs> our shepherd last week. We've been talking about different things of overcoming fear and, and uh, the things that God really wants us to have. And, you know, as Christians, we rob ourselves a lot. We, we have so many things that God wants to give us, and we don't take advantage of that. We will not take the things that He wants us to have to bless us, to help us, to encourage us, to keep us moving for His glory. And then there's, there's so many things that God, I, I can't help but think, just kind of sits back and shakes his head and, and said, I, I offered you this. I tried. You know, there, there are people that when things happen and it doesn't go their way and, and it, they just feel like that, that God has betrayed them and they'll lash out and they'll say, uh, God, where were you? God, why didn't you? And he just kind of says, I was there waiting. You never ask. You never came. You know, one of the things we need to keep in mind is that God never forces anything on us. It's available to us. But we have to respond in faith. Now, He could make us. Can you imagine what it would be like if we did something wrong and He made us do uh, penance to cover up that sin? And He could do that. But God doesn't want to do that. He could make us follow Him in salvation, but it wouldn't be real. Make us come and say, well, you make this profession. And we say, well, okay, I did. But there's nothing real about that. God wants us to recognize three words. You ready? We need Him. Now, do you really understand that? We need Him. And I think that's what, that's what all of us want. Some of us go about it in, in a kind of a roundabout kind of way. Some of us never get there. But folks, if we're going to make it through this life pleasing and doing the things that God has asked of us, we need Him. He's the only one that can help us to follow the path that He's laid out for us. And we all have that path. You have the direction that you follow. I have the direction that I follow. We all follow the same path, but we do it together as God has brought us together. And when we do that, then we find our happiness. Happiness. Happiness in the Lord. Don't you really want to live in joy? It, it didn't... And, and it's too many times we, we do not find the joy in serving God because it's all God's fault. Things that happen, it's God's fault. And so we can't, we can't relish in the joy that we have in Him. If you, re, if you read uh, the 15th chapter of John, Jesus talks about He wants His joy to fill us. His joy. 
Now, when his joy fills us, then we experience that joy. We live in that joy and we follow that joy. Every day that we live is a day of joy. Not if you feel like it. It is. Sometimes you say, uh, did you have a good day? Oh, no, I didn't, I didn't feel good. Or, no, this happened. Or, no, this, no I didn't get this done. And, and we just kind of throw it all off. Well, if you're still breathing, you've had a good day. If you got a nap this afternoon, you had a great day. And if you stayed in out of the heat, you've had a marvelous day. How God has blessed us. But what we, want to, what we want to look at tonight is the ways that God wants us to understand the joy of our salvation. Because the salvation that you and I share, when we accepted Christ as our Savior, then we entered into a joy of that salvation. How many remember your salvation? How many remember that, that experience? How many remember how, how do we describe it? That this weight was taken off of us. Did you ever describe it like that? Just like when we found Christ and all of a sudden, it's just like this, this weight just lifted up and was off of us. You remember those? You remember, you remember that time when, when Christ came into your heart and, and, and all of these things just seemed to be lifted up and then all of a sudden there was a peace inside. Remember that peace? That, that's a, that was a great feeling. That, that peace just begins to settle in. And then the joy begins to, to come out. You know, and I, I've told you all this before, but, you know, I, I was saved on one Sunday night in April. And I was going to be baptized the next. And, and Kelly was saved that night. Let our daddy go home to get Kelly some clothes. We didn't have robes. You put your britches on, you got in that water. And so he went home, got him some clothes. And so we got dressed, and there was a couple of other guys with us. And they, they were going in first, and, and then I was here. And we had to come up the steps and be on the steps when, when it got ready. You went in, you went out the other way. And I was standing on the steps. And the whole time I was standing there, Kelly was poking me in the back like this. And he would, he would hit me in the back, and I'd turn around and look at him. He'd say, boy, I feel good. Don't you feel good? And I'd say, yes, I feel good. And I'd turn back around, and he'd hit me right in the back again. Boom. And I'd turn back around. He said, I feel good. Don't you feel good? I'd say, yes, I do. I feel, I feel great. And by the time I got to the top of that steps, I wanted to turn around and say, no, I don't feel good. My back's killing me back here. He just kept, kept pushing. But you know, I did. And so did he. I mean, he kept telling me how good he felt. You remember that joy? You, you remember that peace? You remember that that just kind of just came over you and, my, what God has done. You like to have that again? like to feel that, that joy that, that rises inside of us and that joy that we have of knowing that, that every morning we've got a Father that loves us, a Father that, that has blessed us through the night, a Father who keeps us, and a Father who has the day all planned for us. All we have to do is follow Him. You want that? 
You want to be happy? Happy in the Lord? Happy as we rejoice, and, and that happiness uh, reminds us of that joy that we have in Him. Sometimes our joy begins to fade and we lose sight of everything that God wants. And so we begin to look for happiness. We begin to look for joy. We find happiness in money. We find happiness in possessions. We find happiness in relationships. We find happiness in, in doing certain things. And, and we could go on and on and, and list these things and say, I can find happiness here. But those things fade. Those things die. And that's what happens to our joy. Because when the happiness that we have in these things begins to diminish, we lose that joy right along with it. So tonight I want you to see what David says about having that same joy that God gives to us. Now one of the things that's happened in the churches over the last 40 years uh, that, I, that I know of, and maybe a little longer than that, is that there, there became a movement that if you want to be happy in the Lord, then you have to experience a certain gift from the Lord. And if you never got that gift, then you were never going to be happy. And, and we had, uh, 40, 50 years ago, we had this, this tongue movement where everybody was told, you, you've got to have that gift. If you're not speaking in tongues, then you can't be happy in the Lord. God can't bless you and God can't use you unless you have that gift. And then they'd, they'd call for other gifts. And, and then all of a sudden we begin to see people as they heal this one and they, they did this for the other one. They say, well, I can't do that. Well, then the happiness and the joy begins to die away. Let me tell you something, folks. Our relationship with God does not depend on a gift that affects our emotions. Because God could care less about your emotions. He wants you. We all know emotions are fickle aren't they? Emotions are very fickle, and they will rob us if we're not careful. And so we have to focus our attention on not just things, not emotions, but on the truth of God's Word. Now, when we do that and believe it and understand it, just like I mentioned last week, when we believe that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. When I believe that, things begin to change. So what is this that brings joy to us? Joy to our salvation, joy in the presence of God. What is it that God has done for us in which we find joy? Now you're in Psalms 32. You're not very far away. I want you to turn to Psalms 51. Don't let go of 32. We'll come back right quick. Psalms 51. Everybody ought to be familiar with Psalms 51. Psalms 51 is when Nathan confronted David and told him about the sheep that the man stole. And David said, I'll make him repay fourfold. And that's when Nathan stuck his finger in his face and he said, Thou art the man. Remember that? Okay, now Psalms 51 is David's cry unto God. It's a beautiful psalm that we just need to take time and read ever so often. As you read this, David begins by, Have mercy according to your loving kindness. Wash me thoroughly. I acknowledge my transgressions. I have sinned against you. I was shaped in iniquity. 
Uh, my mother conceived me in, uh, in sin, but you desire the truth. You want to know what's inside of me. In verse 7 through 12, there is that plea for the cleansing that he wants in his life to be clean, washed whiter than snow, joy and gladness inside of him. Hide your face from my sin and blot out my iniquities. Verse 10, we know, created me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. A clean heart. He's confessing his sin with Bathsheba, and he's laying all of that out and laying it before God. Cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. But look at verse 12. Restore unto me the what? Joy of what? David's salvation? Did David say, restore the joy of my salvation? What did he say? Your salvation, thy salvation. You see, this salvation is not something that we come up with. It's what God has given to us. And so what happened here is David, he's walking the walls and he sees Bathsheba. He should be out fighting with his men, but he stays behind. Satan gets a hold of him, and he's allowed that to, to pull, away, pull him away from the things that God has given to him. And he knows that he's sinned against God, and he cries out for this cleansing. And he wants, in verse 12, for God to restore the joy of his salvation. I want to know that that salvation is real, and I, that salvation is here with me. Okay, now... Psalm 32. <coughs> Keep that, that uh, 12th verse in mind. Restore the joy of thy salvation, David said. Now, one quick question, and then we'll start. Have you ever felt like David did right there? Y'all do like this. We have. We have. Maybe, maybe not, you're not, I'm not saying if you've done what David did, I'm saying as, as things happen in your life and then all of a sudden uh, the Holy Spirit gets a hold of us or whatever happens and then that changes and we cry out to God and we feel so useless, so worthless, so empty, so dirty because all of a sudden we realize as David did, against thee and against thee only have I sinned, O God. And you just, you, it's just something that you can't describe. And we cry out as David did and say, Lord, restore the joy of your salvation. I don't want to feel this way. I want to be clean. I, I want to be usable for you. So where does all that come from? Look at verse 1, Psalm 32. Blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered, Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. You want to know how to claim the joy of your salvation? You want to know what it takes so that you can uh, reach out and get a hold of that joy once again to live for God? What is it that brings us joy? Number one, the joy comes to us because we should know Without any doubt, God will forgive us. Bang. He will forgive us. Now, He doesn't automatically do that. 
Just because we do something and then God doesn't just wipe it away or sweep it away or turn his head away and act like it didn't happen. But the truth is, when you and I do what David did in Psalms 51 and we cry out to God and tell him, I've sinned against you, Lord, cleanse me, wash me white as snow, my iniquity, my sin, my transgression, he named all of those things, all summed up into one little deal. Forgive me. And the greatest thing that you and I can understand in our, in our walk with God is knowing that we have been forgiven by the grace of God. Now notice how the writer, right, how David began this psalm. Blessed. See that? Blessed is he. Now, if you have a Bible like I've got, is he whose... That's all in italics, which means it's not in the Hebrew text. So it says, blessed transgressions forgiven. See that? Blessed are you. That word blessed, blessed, it's the way Jesus did the Sermon on the Mount. That's how he began. Happy are you. And then he began to list these nine things. David says here, happy transgression forgiven, sin covered. Happiness comes to us in recognizing that there is a, such a thing called forgiveness. And when we know true forgiveness, then we feel the joy of God rise within us. And we were talking about feeling that, that dirty, painful thing inside of us that's happened and all of a sudden God just shines his light on it and that's when we begin to feel so bad but when we begin to confess our sin and cry out like David did in 51 and we begin to cry those things unto God isn't it amazing how that all of a sudden this realization comes to us oh God forgive me and you hear him say I forgive you If that don't put a smile on your face, I forgive you. To hear those words and to know that God is willing to forgive us, we're happy because our transgressions are forgiven. Transgression, behold, blessed transgression. The word transgression means to step across the boundary. It's kind of like when you put something around a tree or something and and you want everybody to stay out or you want to put up a sign or things around your yard or you have some land and you put this no trespassing up if someone comes and sees that sign and says i'm not supposed to do that once you step across that boundary you've committed uh, an illegal act and it by the law then you are liable and you are in trouble Transgression is what Adam and Eve did. They came to the tree and, and Satan lured them and tempted them. Eve could have walked away from Satan, but she took one more step and took the fruit. Adam could have walked away from Eve, but he took one more step and he transgressed against God. He stepped across the boundary that God has set to us. Which means that when you and I and sin begins to control us and sin begins to work in us and we don't want to turn loose yet, we become defiant against God. 
And we defy him as he calls to us, just like Nathan did. You're the man, David. And then he began to cry out to God. Don't be defiant when those things of sin begin to fall in and on us. And don't be disobedient to God. Don't just stand there and shake your fist at God and say, leave me alone. I'll take care of this. I'll get rid of this or whatever it is that we might want to do. Remember, I remember back in the 60s when all of this parading and rioting and all this stuff began to come up and we're seeing it again now and you know people put up barriers and and they just push across those barriers and and they knock them down and and they just push their way in we think we can do that with God sometimes God has said don't do this and if you do that then you have sinned against me and I I can't bless you because you're living in disobedience and so we just want to push God out of the way and push those barriers down and say, I don't need any of this. I can do it all by myself. You know what it reminds me of? Y'all remember back in the years ago, there was a commercial on television. And it was about Anison. Remember Anison? Y'all used to take Anison, some of you may still take Anison, I don't know. But they had a commercial, and there was a mom and kids, and they're screaming and crying, and her mother is yelling at her, and she's trying to do something, and, and then all of a sudden she turns around and she says, Mother, please, I'd rather do it myself. Remember that commercial? Stomp her foot, yell at her mother. I've always thought that if I ever did that, my mother would slap me right where I stood. I'd rather do it myself. That's what we do to God. Don't tell me what to do, God. I'll take care of this when I'm ready. Let me do it. And we push God back and we say, I don't need that. If you want to find joy and you want to live in the joy of knowing Jesus Christ as your Savior, folks, when we sin, it needs to be gone. Not in a week or two weeks. We sin. We recognize that sin because the Holy Spirit goes to work right then. And you know, I know, when that sin has hit. And because of that, it's time for us to do something about that. Remember the rich young ruler? Rich young ruler came to Jesus and said, uh, Good master, what must I do to be, uh, inherit eternal life? Jesus said, You know the law. Laid out those laws for him. He said, I've done all of that ever since I was a baby. I, every, every day that I've lived, I've done all of that. And Jesus said, Okay. Tell you what you do. You go and sell everything that you've got. Give it to the poor. Feed those people. Give it to your neighbors. Turn everything loose. Come follow me. And what does it say? He went away sorrowful because he had great riches. What are we going to do? Are we going to tell God, no, I can't accept that. Think of something else that I can do. And that's what this rich young ruler did. Just think of something else that I can do. I don't want to do like everybody else does. And we begin to pull away from God. 
John Bassanio said the Christian faith is unique in that it alone has a doctrine of forgiveness. We serve a God who wants to forgive us, who wants to cleanse us, who wants to get all of this out of the way so that he can fellowship with us. See what blocks us? Here, here, get this little picture in your mind. I, I tried to lay brick one time, and the guy that I was trying to help, he was a sweet man, and he was a good bricklayer. And I'd start to do something, and he said, no, no, don't do that. Don't do that. And I was trying to make everything wrong. And so I finally said, I'll tell you what, I'll hand you the bricks, and you do that. And he said, that's very good there, right there. But here's what happens when we sin, and then that sin leads to another, that leads to another, that leads to another, and another, and we don't want to turn loose, and we don't want to let God. You know what happens? We build this, this wall between us and God. And then all of a sudden we cry out and say, God, where are you? Why don't you do something for me? And he's not coming across your wall. You've built that. And then all of a sudden, things begin to happen. And you hit your knees and you cry out and say, oh God, I have sinned. Guess what we need to do? God, I sinned against you and I ask you to forgive me. God, I sinned against you, and I ask you to forgive me. And you have to tear down that wall. Don't let that separate you from God. And as we bring that wall down, all of a sudden we pick up that last one, and we throw that away, and there is the joy of God waiting for us as we declare, I've been forgiven. What a great joy. To know that the wall is down and I've been forgiven of all of my sin. God's forgiveness. Find it. Seek it. Do it right when it happens. Notice the next thing he said. Happy are you if your transgressions are forgiven, but also that your sins are covered. We're to follow God. We're to do the things of God. The word sin, we understand and, and have heard over the years, means to miss the mark. Christ is, is that target for which we shoot to be everything we can be like Jesus, and we fall short. We miss the mark. That's what Paul said. We all come short of the glory of God. That's the sin that takes place in our life. And so because of that sin, then we must make sure that the intent of our heart is to follow after God and do the things that God has from us. We're not to cover our sin. We are to let the forgiveness of God and the blood of Jesus cover that sin. That's what that's all about. He covers us in the blood. And when that sin is covered in the blood, that sin is washed away. I can't do that, and neither can you. And the hurt remains until we get rid of those things that separate us from God. David was crying out, and he thought all this time that he got away with this with Bathsheba. He didn't just commit adultery, folks. He committed murder. He had Uriah killed. Remember that? He had her husband brought in, had him killed. Everything was good. Now he could take Bathsheba, 
Nobody would know why. She was a widow. He could bring her over to the palace. Everything's great. And God said, no, it's not. And David repented of his sin. And God forgave him of his sin. But you remember what happened next? He said, David, the baby will die. You're not, you're not going to keep it. That baby belongs to me. You see, folks, you ready for this? There are consequences for forgiven sin. Consequences for forgiven sin. Consequences will follow our sin. Now, God will forgive us, and God will cover that sin. But consequences still follow. That's why it's important that we keep our eyes focused directly on Him and knowing that if we follow the pure intent of God's heart, then He can keep our hearts and guide and, and, and bless our hearts and open our hearts and use our hearts and, and use the things that He's given to us. But when we turn away from Him and we try to hide from Him, God wants to cover all of that. And that covering, to me, I go, it goes back to the thing of atonement. Atonement means to cover. And what Jesus did was, is that when he made atonement for us on the cross, his blood covers us. Covers our sins. No longer are we found guilty, and I'll show you that in just a minute. We're no longer guilty. We stand in the presence of God. And we can be in the presence of God because our sins have been covered. And why else? Verse 2 Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. In other words, it means the sins are not charged to your account. We sin, we ask for forgiveness, God doesn't charge it to us, it's all laid on Jesus. Father, I know what happened, and I know what's in his heart. I accept that. And he takes our sin. And it's not charged against us. It's laid on Jesus. Now just think. Because of what Jesus did at Calvary. We don't owe. Any debts. That, that's what he told us. We don't owe debt. We're not in debt. Jesus paid that debt. Jesus covered that debt. And aren't you glad? Amen. He covered all of that for us. Happiness you, is honesty with God. we got to learn to say, I have sinned. I have sinned against you. And against you only have I sinned. That's what David said. We've got to say that to God. I've sinned. And I want you to add a little something to that. Because we, we all do. We, we confess our sin. And, you know, it's, it's a joy when, when that joy begins to rise because we confess sin. But, you know, sometimes I think we ought to take the time to stop and say, God, not only did I sin against you, but, oh, God, I grieved your heart. You ever grieved with your children, they'll bring grief at times. That grief hurts. 
And as a child of God, when I sin against Him, I grieve His heart. That's what Paul said. We grieve the heart of God. Oh God, forgive me for being so wicked and stupid and grieving you. Forgive me. And He does. He forgives us. Charges it to Jesus. Happiness is knowing God forgives us. Verses 3 and 4 tells us that the happiness or joy is knowing that God loves us. Look at verse 3. When I kept silence, my bones whacked old. Through my roaring all the day long, for day and night, thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer. Now, David's had some things go on in his life as he wrote this. And he's speaking from personal experience, and that's the best witness that we've got. Because God does not want us bearing our burdens alone. God wants us to lay those burdens at his feet. And God wants us to allow him to help, him, uh, help us deal with that burden, the guilt. We try to do that on our own, things begin to fall apart. We lose sight of what we are supposed to be doing for God, and we become spiritually drained. Verse 3, when I didn't say anything, when I didn't turn to God and confess, and when I didn't call upon God, my bones waxed old. Anybody in here with old bones? Yeah, we all have to say, yeah, I'm not talking about that kind of age bones. My bones waxed old. The vitality was gone. He couldn't do anything except come to God. That's all he had left. He tried to stay away from it. All of this was coming to a head. And don't think that Nathan surprised David. David knew this was happening, and David knew it was coming, and Nathan just happened to be the one that uh, was able to go in and point the finger at him and say, you're the man. He's exposed now. He's been bones. His bones feel old and weak. There's no vitality. There's no energy inside there because everything that he's done now has been brought about. Now he aches and he hurts because he has disappointed God and he has uh, turned his back on God and his strength is just gone. You just kind of wilt and you melt because all of these things that are happening to us and he's totally drained trying to do all this and hold it all in and be this great big king over all the land. And all of a sudden he's exposed as a sinner, we don't like anybody to know that we sin, do we? We don't like for them to know, but folks, there's not a person walking around here that doesn't sin. You know, I, I, people talking about, uh, you know, I, I want to do this and I want to do this and I want to do it good, but, you know, there are people that just do it better. And I told a, a guy the other day, I said, I'll tell you what, at the end of the day, here's what you do. You look around at all of those people that you think are a whole lot better than you, and you look at their hands. And if there's not any nail prints in their hands, and there's none in yours, just understand you walk on level ground. Nobody's better. 
See any nail prints? No, and I don't see any in your hands either. There's only one person that can hold up his hands and say, this is where it happened. That's the one who's going to live a perfect life. I'm not, and neither are you. But we don't have to let those things pull us inside and drain us completely where we can't serve God. Turn it loose. Let it go. That's how much God loves us. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn to me, for I'm meek and lowly in heart. And you'll find rest unto your soul, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Don't you want to be in the yoke with Jesus? I do. That double yoke. When you put your head in there and God said, okay, I want you to take this yoke. And you say, oh my. I can't do this. And you run your head in there because you want to obey God. And you look up and you see all that ahead of you. And you say, I can't, I can't, I can't. And then you look over at your pulling mate. And there's Jesus. And he smiles and he says, you ready? Let's go. Folks, when Jesus gets in the yoke with you, I'll guarantee you we can make it through this life. We don't have to weaken ourselves. We don't have to discredit ourselves. We don't have to take uh, the, the love of God and push it away. He loves you. And he wants to bear those burdens with you. I want you to listen to him when he tells you you've sinned. Let's do something about that. You've sinned. I'll get around to that, Lord. No. This is the day. This is the hour. Now notice what he said in verse 4. For day and night thy hand was heavy upon me. My moisture is turned into the drought of summer. The hand of correction. Anybody ever experienced the hand of correction when you were growing up? The hand of correction. That hand that touches us. And David says that hand that was heavy upon me. And you know, we think of God as that God that will reach down and when things happen and He lifts us up. And that we have that kind of God. But I'm going to tell you something. You also have a God that can put your, His hand on you and it is heavy. And until you're ready, God can hold things down. He loves you. He doesn't want you living like this. He doesn't want you to be that way. That's why we've got to come to the place where we uh, give our sins to Him. We're convicted of that sin, and He presses on us. We know that God loves me because He wants to lead me and guide me. Happiness is knowing God forgives us. Happiness is knowing God loves us. But then verse 5, happiness, joy, is knowing God hears us. I acknowledge my sin unto Thee. My iniquity have I not hid. I said I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. And you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Remember those verses we read in Psalm 51? Charles Spurgeon. Uh, we'll mention him again. Charles Spurgeon says that he believes that this psalm, Psalm 32, goes below verse 12 of 51 and it pretty well ties itself together doesn't it you can see him saying the very same thing from from verse 51 uh when when he cried and said uh 
you know, created me a clean heart. Cast, not, cast me not away from your presence. Restore unto me the joy of your salvation. And then you hear uh, David as he cries out in, in 32, Blessed are those whose transgressions are forgiven. David is crying out the same thing. Whether that's true or not, I don't know. But one thing we have to understand is this. Listen to what he said. I acknowledge my sin to you. Our sins are against God. We sin against God. That's what he said in 51. Against you and against you only have I sinned. And here, my sin I acknowledge to you. My iniquity I didn't hide from you. We confess to him that we have fallen so short. Why? Psalm 139. You familiar with Psalm 139? The writer says, I know when you sit down, I know when you stand up. I know when you go here, I know when you go there. I know when you do this, I know when you do that. I know everything there is to know about you because I made you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Everything about us, God knows. Everything about us, God knows. Everything we do, God sees. Everything we say, God hears. And if I'm not mistaken, the Scripture says that one of these days all the secrets of men are going to be exposed. I don't know about you. But I'm going to try to cover my ears when he does that. He knows us. Why shouldn't we just confess our sin to him and rid ourselves of this burden and this grief and let God have it and enjoy the joy of our salvation? We need to also remember 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us all in righteousness. Now that word confess, we've mentioned before, that word confess means to agree with. So if I agree with God, I have sinned. God's on me. You've sinned. You've sinned. You've sinned. I don't want to agree with Him. When I get to that point where I agree, dear God, I have sinned, then the greatest joy that we can have is knowing that God loves me so much, He heard my prayer, and He has forgiven me. Folks, that is joy. The joy of salvation. Because that's who we are. we got work to do. We've got things to do. We've got Sunday school lessons to teach. We've got fellowship to enjoy. We've got worship to be a part of. We've got a, a gospel to share. We've got that which God has placed in us. And, and Jeremiah said, my, my bones have a fire inside of them. Do you have that kind of fire? When you have the joy of God, there's a fire in your bones that says, I want to I serve. I want to be what God wants me to be. And I'm not going to quit until he picks me up with Elijah and ubers me up into heaven. We don't quit, folks. 
we confess our sin, He forgives. He loves us, give Him the burden. He hears us, call on Him. He'll answer you and show you great and mighty things that we don't know. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for being our God, a God who loves us in spite of us. And Lord, tonight in my own heart, Lord, I have sinned. I have fallen so short. And I pray in the name of Jesus, dear Father, forgive me of my sin. I've sinned against you. Father, thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for cleansing in the blood of the Lamb. Forgive me, Father, for grieving your heart. Lord, I pray with my brothers and sisters tonight as, as we lift our hearts to you, Lord, may we offer the forgiveness, what we think, what we say, what we do, our attitudes, our actions. Oh, dear God, forgive us, Father. And thank you, Lord, that you love us in spite of knowing us. And Lord, I pray that you just convict us, Lord, that we'll put a smile on our face and a joy in our heart to be everything that you would have us to be. Thank you for this time we've shared together. Thank you for these, Lord, who have gathered for your word. And I pray that you minister that word to our hearts and may we go forth to lift up and exalt Jesus Christ, our Savior. Dismiss us from here. Keep us in your care. Use us this week for your glory. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Good night, folks. Thank you. <laughs>